Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They might talk about humor, music, film, books, football, and box sets, exercise, and maybe even food. Trivia and sports, politics and health, sometimes well-being too. On the life with Brian. On the life with Brian. Hello and welcome to Life with Brian. I'm your host, Mark, and I'm joined as ever by Matthew Christ. Hiya, Matthew. Hello. And of course, I've got Brian McClare here. Hiya, Brian. Hello. And just like last time, we've got another guest with us. Uh, This week, we're joined by the esteemed author, journalist, and now co-host of his own brand new podcast called The Perspective, Paddy Barkley. Welcome, Paddy. How are things? (laughs) <laughs> I'm very well indeed, thank you, and thank you very much for the plug, I promise. I didn't ask for that, so it, it's very, very sweet of you, and I much appreciate it, thank you. No worries. Um, okay, let's kick off then. Brian, what have you been up to since the last time we spoke? Well, I've, um, because we've had such a uh, highly regarded and uh, influential guest uh, this week, um, I thought I would... Um, I've been musing about things that were pertaining to Patrick's, uh, or potentially Patrick's um, career and life in general. Um, I read, I could be wrong, all this stuff, because it said uh, the internet is, uh, or the interweb is notorious for having um, false or fake news, Patrick. But uh, you were uh, born and brought up in Dundee. Correct. Uh, no, I was born and, in uh, London. Well, you brought well. You were you were in Dundee at some point. But I left. I left at the age of two because I didn't like the politics. <laughs> but you see, you mentioned that. Uh, did your parents uh, work for DC Thompson? I know you yeah, did. Uh, yeah, my mum did. My my mum used to write. Uh, well, my, my parents split up. That's why you know I was born in London and, and moved up to Dundee. And and uh, my mum used to write. Uh, 
what in those days was called women's fiction, which would now be called romantic fiction, um, regardless of gender. And it, it uh, she managed to get me an interview at DC Thompson's after I left Dundee High School, which is right opposite the DC Thompson building in Dundee. And um, so I just walked straight out of the playground into this interview with DC Thompson's and uh, managed to pass. So I, I got a job as an office boy on the Dundee Evening Telegraph. That was my first job in journalism when I got sacked. What I wanted to ask you about then, so what age yeah. were you, you were in Dundee in your, when you were a kid in teenage years? Yeah. Yeah, so what the the thing that kept the thing that's kept me awake uh, most nights is this question: <laughs> uh, was that did uh, because your mother was working for DC Thompson, did you get free comics? Uh, no, I used to shoplift them from. Uh, oh, the that's editors. another question. That's amazing. Oh, <laughs> that was another uh, question I had for you later on. <laughs> No, because I, I, because I wanted want, to know, well, the question I wanted to ask you was, which one did you do particularly uh, anchor after? Was it the Bunty? No. <laughs> was it Jackie? Uh, no, was it, it maybe was, Commando? Or was it uh, the Beano or the Dandy? Right, well, actually, that, you've, 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 as usual with you, Brian, you've measured your cross to perfection. Because when I was six, about 16 and in the office one of the perks you got was that the people from the jackie would come round and pick a boy and a girl from one of the offices to go on a photo shoot and we would uh, i was taken with this girl i think her name was julie thompson and the two of us were taken to a park camperdown park in dundee and we did a photo shoot in and she was gorgeous by the way and all I had to do, I got an afternoon off, and all I had to do was sit, gazing into her eyes and occasionally intertwining my fingers with hers to, to imitate, it, so that they could put these romantic images on the front of Jackie. And one of the pictures of me and Julie Thompson, although I have to say that Julie, Julie was more front on in the picture, you know, because she was very, she looked like Julie Andrew, uh, Julie um, Christie. Um, uh. And I looked like a, a, a version of myself, but with hair. So obviously she was the main focus. Of the but we appeared in a romantic sort of pose on the front of Jackie. But no, my uh, my paper of choice was the dandy. I was uh, Desperate Dan, you know, Cow Pie, you know, the the whole thing. And, and Urwali, of course, was another hero of mine and still is to this day. Because I was, I was when I was doing when I was looking this stuff up, I realised that my gran, my gran used to buy me the dandy. It came out yeah. on Monday. I think. You were either dandy or Bino. You couldn't be. It's like saying I, I support Rangers and Celtic. You know, you were one or the other. Yeah, well, I was dandy. I always been dandy as well. So. Much much better. Um, did you graduate? Uh, did you graduate to one of the Rover Hotspur? Was it an adventure? Uh, well, was, I'll tell was, if you want to know. I'll tell you what, my if you go, I'll give you my rule of comics now. So, okay, my grand, my grand bought me the dandy, mm-hmm. um, but I used to read uh, my sister's bunty. Yeah, so I quite, I quite like the four Marys, which is kind of yeah. half relevant to the previous thing and everything. And then I went on from the dandy to shoot. Oh yeah, and my sister got Jackie, but I read the Jackie because uh, there was. When I was looking at the research, 
different things about the Jackie. There was a couple of things that came up, and there's a and there's a in the eighty three and eighty four, Johnny Marr of the Smiths was in the Jackie three times. Wow. And there's loads of music stuff. So I think maybe that was one of the influences on my musical. Oh, so the content of uh, Jackie. Because I never thought of you, Brian, really as being a romantic in, in that sense, you know, being a softie. Because uh, so there was actually good content in Jackie as well. It wasn't. Yeah, just... there was. There was. Yeah, because uh, in this, um, in there was a, an eighty Z, you know, like a questionnaire to eighty Z with Johnny Marr in eighty three or something like that. Yeah. And uh, the interesting thing for me was that uh, they were intended to use. Uh, when he got to X, he was intended to use a xylophone in the next album. <laughs> so, brilliant, brilliant. So, and he, he was featured three different bits over a over a small period of time. And I, I don't know, I'm not, I don't, I would imagine that. Yeah, it was because I mean, Jackie was hugely popular. Yeah, but you there was some good content in it. Yeah, yeah, you're you're talking about a, a later era where it had obviously developed quite a bit, but. I was in when it when it this was more or less when it started. I mean, you got to bear in mind I'm talking about nearly yeah, twenty years. Thirty-eight, nineteen thirty-eight or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, my career was destroyed by the Second World War, you know. But yeah. uh, no, I was, uh, it was. It was good times there, you know. They they sacked me at the Dundee Evening Telegraph, but they did it nicely. They told me I had I could look around. For a new job, and they were as good as their word. They let me just hold down this job until I found something else. I've re- I've always liked DC Thompson because of that. So I'll go. I'll finish my my comic history or my publication history, even though I started, I read them. So I went. I went to shoot, shoot and match. Yeah. Um, smash hits. Yeah. Uh, NME. Oh yes. No, Smash Hits 2000 AD. Yeah. Smash Hits then ME. What, what, what did you? You must have read Rolling Stone as well. Oh no, I've only uh, no. I was, I was, you couldn't. There's no way that there was ever a Rolling Stone magazine in Dundee. I'm not having that. There certainly <laughs> wasn't any in Airdrie. <laughs> but there was there was Melody Maker. But I was I preferred yeah, NME. Yeah. NME had a lovely little gossip column, your one-liners. I think it was on the back page. Uh, I hear that so-and-so, and there were all sorts of people who would who would appear in this uh, as if they were great celebrity. Oh, I saw so-and-so. I saw Dave Lee Travis coming out of some the Marquee Club yesterday. That, that would be a news item. I mean, these guys were... You know, were treated as great stars. You know, the uh, DJs at the time. But I, I, once again, Brian, you know, you and I are separated by quite a few, by a generation at least. Not really. No. No. If you just look that old, that's all. <laughs> no, no. I was, I've had a hard life, mate, as you know. What are the What are the highlights of trying my, to follow uh, your career are, for a start? What? Yeah, I, yeah. One of the highlights for me was that I featured in a crossword clue in the enemy. No. Uh, me and it was uh, me and Paul McStay. It's uh, what was the what was the me and Paul McStay, and it's uh, what was it five and five. five yeah, me and Paul McStay. Me and Paul McStay might adorn this, and it's five and five, and it's a musical content. 
I obviously know the answer to this, but I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to spoil uh, the surprise. Five and five. Give you another clue, Declan McManus. Elvis. Elvis Costello. Costello's not five, is it? No, that's who sang it. That's who sang it, Paddy. What a song! Yeah, relating to Paul McStain and myself. (laughs) (laughs) I never, I was never very good at crosswords, so put us out of our misery. The answer is Green Shirt. Green Shirt is one of his. Yeah, it's a song by Elvis Costello, and that was in the enemy uh, Oliver, Oliver's Oliver, army is about my about as much as I can cope with. This wasn't the um, the edition of Enemy where the pair of you look look like you're out the out of wham, no, is that, it? That that was a different magazine altogether. How do you know about oh, that? No, I've seen the pictures. Don't worry. Where what magazine <laughs> was that, Brian? Isn't it still in your mum's loft or something, or buried no, away somewhere? It. Well, you've got it. No, now. I've got it. Yeah. So, do yeah. you want do you want to you know give enlighten us a bit on this uh, famous picture of you and Paul McStay looking it like George? New, and it was it was a new music publication based on around Scottish music and football. I can't remember. I can't remember what it was called. But um, Paul McStay and I were asked by uh, by Bobby Bluebell if we would be interested in being. Um, to take part in this and me and him went along to somewhere in Glasgow thinking it would be a, a 10 minute thing and we were there all day getting interviewed with various things about football and music and then this these pictures which gullibly, naively were allowed to happen and then there's a double page, they, we were on the front cover, a double page spread of McStay and me and uh, uh, George and Andrew Pose with the leather jackets on, and I, I dare uh, say you were in makeup nothing, for a good half. Underneath. I dare say you were in makeup for a good half of that day. Was that was that why? It was <laughs> no, on? nothing at all. It was just like this photographer that there was like. Oh, there was definitely you know, into my life. I was aghast. I was thinking, what are we doing here? You know, this is uh, this is going to haunt me. This is going to haunt me. You know, I'm going to put the images up on Twitter, by the way, because the magazine was called. Oh, you bought them, have you? It's called Cut, cut and. Yeah, February 1987 it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, it, it, it's one of the great uh, musical football duos to go with uh, Hoddle and Waddle. Yeah, but so we, we were just posing. We weren't doing any performing. We were oh, just, uh, they, they, were, they were actually on top of the pops, I think, yeah. Yeah. You could you could accuse them of just you could accuse them of just posing as well and not. I've got a gold. Uh, I've got a gold single now, so I'm not. I'm not that bored. About it. I've got a. Yeah. That was I assume for come on you Reds, was it? It was yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For what? How many? The uh, ninety-four cup, cup final song. Final song. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it actually knocked. Scottish rock band Stiltskin off number. They were number one for about ten weeks, and I think that song knocked them off the top of the charts, if I'm mm. not mistaken. So it must have sold a few. If you've got a gold disc, I hope you still get a bit of money from that. Must have got a few. No, no, because we we just we took our one off oh. payment. Oh, wise move. That's what it was. I think so at the time, you know, because I thought this is no chance of being selling anything. This is garbage, you know. So, but what did I know? What did I know about music at all? You know, so. Don't tell me Fergie's got the rights. 
And I've, the, the manager of the state school has got the rights. Yeah. Yeah. The I, manager, the, the guy who was the manager of the state school at the time. Oh, really? They actually, they featured yeah. in the song as well, didn't they? they in the, yeah, because they were part of it. Yeah. 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 Well, it was a, it was a basically a, not a rip off, but it was a reworking of one of their. Oh, it's a status quo. It's a status quo yeah. song with United. So yeah, it's a status quo thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember it well. I didn't, I didn't buy it, but um, thousands of other people obviously did. To put no, it well, to if, yeah. if, if I didn't buy it, it, would be probably the only status quo song that I haven't bought. I used to love them. I used to absolutely. Yeah, you into them, yeah. Adored them. Used to go there. Did you see? Did you see them? Did. Did you go and see them? Did they ever come to Dundee, or did you see no, them in no, London, no. or I used to go Manchester? And, or? I used to go and see them. I probably first saw them in Manchester, but uh, it became a habit. They used to, always used to do a, a Christmas concert at Wembley Arena, so, yeah. uh, at, at usually about nineteenth of December, something like that. And I used to go. To, it was always a full house, seven and a half thousand there. I, I went to that for about ten years in a row. It was it was brilliant and. Um, uh, I still, I, I still love them, but I don't listen to the music quite as much. But uh, did you get? Did you all? Did you go into right into the? Did you get all dressed up and all that? Did you get? No, 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 no. no faded Levi's on, no, and yeah, 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 probably, no? probably, but I, I, I could never have worn them like air guitar. No, deft at all the bloody time. Yes, I, I, I it, they used to say. They used to say when I was a kid, you know, how do you torture a Scotsman? Uh, and the answer is you nail his feet to the floor and then play a Jimmy Shand record. Well, in the, it, 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 if you wanted to torture me, you'd nail my feet to the floor and play the status quo, you know, or nail my hands, uh, you know, to the to the to the wall and, and put a guitar in front of me and this. I used to just love them and and be them, you know, and if nobody was looking, and but I was, you know, I couldn't be as cool as Francis Rossi. I don't think anybody could. He must be the coolest bald man in the world, apart from us, Mark, obviously. But obviously, were they there? <laughs> were they there for the recording, Brian? Were they were Rick and I, Francis there? So I you, you there, spent yeah. spent a bit of time there, yeah. Yeah. De- yeah. decent fellas. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, I, I think you. Irrespective, I don't think I've ever met uh, many people you would be disappointed in their how they were. You know yeah. whether that was in. Uh, I mean, you've, you've. I think Paddy, you've probably met come across a lot more, a lot more people than me. But any any um, discipline, whether it was music or yes. occasional film or acting or, yeah. or fellow football players, um, they've been. How I, I suppose that they kind of had looked at the same kind of way that I've always looked at it is that I've always felt that I'm the, the same, just the same as anybody else. I'm not any better than anybody no, else. That, that, that's, I've, true, I've, that's true, Brian. But, but I I've think had an extraordinary, I just had an extraordinary job, Paddy. Yeah. And I think that, that, that if you meet people from different ways of life, they will know who you are and, and that will, uh, give you an instant validation but i mean i completely agree with what you say that, that when you sit down with distinguished people i can just tell you a story uh, a friend of mine you might you might know him brian he, he was a football agent jonathan holmes uh it was agent for lineker and uh and uh, yeah, I know who uh, other people yeah. and uh, a, a few years two or three years ago now i suppose it was he, he um I rang him up and said, look, next time you come to London, I'm, I've got to buy you lunch. And 
like a lot of um, uh, rich and successful people, they change the rules, you know. It, it, you would think it would be rude, but I love Jonathan so much that it doesn't bother me. But he rang up and he says, uh, hey, listen, can we make it dinner rather than lunch? And instead of the place where you go, can we go to the Garrett Club in London where and have dinner there? So I'm thinking... You have to do that. You know, he's changed. If you're invited to that, you've got to go there. Ah, absolutely, of course. But... Um, you know, it was my turn, and I, and, and you know, I'm also a Dundee boy, so I thought, and it's it saved me a couple of bob, you know, if, because if it's a Garrett club, you'll have to pick up the tab. So anyway, he rings me <laughs> up and he says, sorry to be a nuisance, sorry to be a nuisance again. And I'm thinking, oh, what's he doing now? Is he changing it to somewhere else? He says, listen, is it all right if I invite a couple of people along? And I said, no, no, of course not. It's your show. It's your dinner now. Um, anyway, when I get there, it's Tom, there's him, me, obviously, Tom Courtney, the actor, hey. one of the greatest of English actors of all time, and Mark Knopfler, who uh, I'm also a big Dire Straits fan, and I think Mark Knopfler is one of the greatest well, popular. He's another slaphead, isn't he? He's another slaphead, <laughs> exactly. And, but anyway, we sit down, and these are two of the nicest men you could ever meet. And what's more respectful, Mark Knopfler says to me, um, I said, you know, trying to make conversation, I said, I believe you're a Newcastle fan. He's talking about Newcastle United. And he says, yeah, he says, you might be interested in this. When I first started uh, supporting Newcastle, I was training as a journalist. So already I'm absolutely gobstruck by this. And then Tom Courtney's going on about Hull City and, you know, the, a couple of great players that I remembered, there were two strikers they had way back in the 70s. And uh, it was the most wonderful, wonderful night. And they made me feel completely at ease. And, uh, hey, what a bit of name-dropping that was, by the way. I do and, uh, did Jonathan... But, did Jonathan pick up the tab? <laughs> he did. I should hope so after recommending the restaurant he took you to. He did. No, I had I had to pick up the taxi bill because uh, Tom Courtney lived in Putney. In Hull. Putney. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Dear boy," he said, "You don't mind if we go around the hall." <laughs> and uh, no, he lives in Putney on the way home uh, to me, and uh, so and I'm thinking, well. Normally, what I'd do is dial an Uber and all that, but I'm thinking, well, since I'm with Tom Courtney, I really ought to hail a black cab. So, my man! And uh, we're getting a black cab, so it's about 50 quid by the end. But oh, anyway, it, it was it was great night. Brilliant night. Brilliant night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, 
Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Well, that kind of takes us on to what I was going to ask you. I wanted to talk to you about um, whether your where your paths are crossed in you know in, in previous years and what have you and what, what we used Brian, to call. Brian, are you talking about Brian McClay? I, I will. Can I tell you a Brian McClay story? You can tell us any story you want. No, what was the question? <laughs> tell me what the question was well, going to be. Well, it wasn't really a question. I just was interested to know whether your um, yeah, where your right. paths are crossed in the past when you were working in what we used to call Fleet Street, Paddy. But yeah. but also before we get to that, I wanted to clear something up with this incident where you apparently mistook Brian for uh, one of his. I don't, former... don't, 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 don't let me let because Brian won't know this. Um, I'll I'll tell it. it it's basically I didn't. You know, I didn't really, I probably got to know Brian after, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, Brian, but I got to know him better. And by the way, uh, what a fantastic uh, lad and what help he gave me when I was doing a thing up in Lanarkshire uh, a couple of years ago. I will never forget how kind you were in giving your time and bringing the house down, uh, Brian. I really appreciate that. But... um, yeah, but there's only three people. There. <laughs> that's because we didn't bill you. That's because I was. And two, that's them, I was and two of them were me and that's you. That's because I was stopping the bill. <laughs> but it was. Yeah, uh, but there were three nice people, and it was in a lovely place. It was a mother, Motherwell Football Club. It was. A telephone box. It was a Motherwell. <laughs> anyway, so but it, uh, Brian's boss at that time, a guy called Ferguson, made sure that the likes of me and the likes of him never really had much time for fraternizing so uh you know we were kept very much he was he was a footballer and i was uh, one of the guys penned in the in the press box but um speaking of press boxes when people say to me what you know what was your worst moment in 40 years as a journalist that's easy brian mcclair i was at this game Chelsea against Man United. And bear in mind that at that time I was in the peak of my career, um, such as it was. It'd be 90, about 90. When did you, uh, what years were you at United, uh, Brian? It was about 88 uh, to 90. 87 to 87 to 98. Yeah, so this would be about the mid 90s, I, I would say 94, something like that. And United were playing at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea. And Brian was in the team, uh, also in the team at that time would be Andy Cole, a few others. Um, I can't really remember the, 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 the full details. But uh, the pre- and this is not an excuse for me, because I do not come out of this story well. Um, but the press box at Stamford Bridge, you know, it's like where the players run out. You know, you could almost lean over and touch them, yeah, although it's not recommended. But uh, you're very low down, and you, and if somebody in front of you stands up, you, you don't get that great of you. Anyway, I do. I'd done my research before the game, and uh, so I'd been professional to that extent. And one thing I did know, and it was in my head as I went to the game, was that Andy Cole hadn't scored in something like nine games, which was unusual for him, and. Uh, very unusual for him. 
So that was one of the facts I had going around my head. There might have been a couple of others that Karina or something, or who was in, ever in goal for Chelsea, had kept six clean sheets. But you, you, when you go to do a, a live match report, and this, I must have been on the Observer at the time because it was a it was a Saturday afternoon match, and you have to write them as you go along. You know, people people kind of think you can go to the pub, have a nice meal, think about the game, watch match of the day, wake up on a Sunday morning, write your match report for the Observer, and deliver it through under people's doors. You know, but of course it's not like that. You have to write it while the match is actually going on for the early editions, and then you get a chance to rewrite and tidy up for the editions that go to big cities like London and Manchester. So anyway, I'm doing my early edition, what we call runner running match report from Chelsea Man United. And, and I see uh, United take the lead. They ended up winning 4-1, but they take the lead with, and I, I can see Andy Cole score the goal. And I go, yes, brilliant. I've got my theme. You've got to write it more or less at half time, a lot of it. And so you're looking for something that's, you're looking for a sending off basically. Or a bad injury. <laughs> or, or a bad injury. Uh, uh, this is awful. But you're, you're looking for something really that's not going to be affected by the final result. Um, or in the old days, a riot. But they, 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 uh, <laughs> oh, that was frivolous. I, and we never, never wanted bad things to happen. But really, but they, uh, the great thing was Andy Cole's drought, goal drought is over. This is the fantastic. He scored the goal. That will last after, in his 10th attempt, Andy Cole, normal services resumed. You could see, and I could see him dancing around celebrating the goal. And and, and I went I, I went to town on it. I said, you could see the re- relief in his face. There's nothing a striker likes better than to get the monkey off his back, blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and off it went, and I filed it. And then uh, United won four one. I continued to file it. I, I, I filed a, uh, you know, what we call a top and tail and intro and, and the second half update, and, and sent it off. And then I heard somebody talking about Brian McClare having scored twice, and he had scored one of the others. And I said to the guy next to me, "There's the final whistle." When I said that first goal. It was Andy Cole. Now, people in press boxes, when they're on a deadline, they don't tell you what you the answer to your question. They basically, the answer is, fuck off. I'm busy, right? So he says, yeah, 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 yeah yes, yes. And, and so I thought, ah, oh, that's good. It, it was Andy Cole that got the So McClare only got one. And uh, so I'm going, uh, I, I write this. And the office ring me up about... I must must have been the age of mobile phones because the office. Oh no! I rang in with a check call. I said everything all right with my copy, and um, they said actually a bit of a problem with it. They said um, the agencies are giving that first goal to Brian McClare. I said no no no. no, no, no. He said but all the agencies have given it. <laughs> so so. Are they, I then say, oh, I'm going to have to check this. Anyway, I, find, I, I did check. And it was Brian McClare who got the, the opening goal. And um, Andy, I, I, I don't know if Andy got one later. 
uh, or whether his goal drought was continuing. But whatever it was, I mean, the report was utter bollocks. And what's more, <laughs> it had gone already to the first edition area. So the entire population of the outlying uh, places that get the first edition, like people of Plymouth, are saying, fucking hell, we all, I never rated this bloke. He's talking utter shite. You know, we watched the match of the day last night, and he thought that was Andy Cole. <laughs> the thing about Andy Cole and Brian McClare is they're very easily confused. I mean, they are so similar physically. But he, um, that, that was definitely, definitely my worst, worst, worst moment that I, I was able to rewrite, but of course... I still felt like being sick, and 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 I'm beginning to feel slightly nauseous even reliving it now. You didn't, you didn't keep, you didn't keep one of those newspapers, did you? That'd be great to keep. That. Oh that's, that's yeah, well, they always. I'd like to have read that myself. You know? <laughs> they always. You could have added it. You might have got a bonus. You probably no, kept it, Brian. <laughs> he would have got a bonus, but no. They there was an old rumor that Ferguson had got hold of the initial attempts of all the reporters. Luckily, I wasn't doing a live match at uh, Barcelona in 1999 when United uh, went, the 90 minutes passed, Man oh, United yeah. were 1-0 down oh, to Bayern. Yeah. And all the reporters had said, Ferguson has proved that although he can hack it uh, domestically, he's too naive to be a top manager in Europe. That, I'm sure, is what they were saying. And of course, the two goals go in from Sheringham, Sheringham and Silshire, and they suddenly have to throw all that away. But of course, it will already have gone to the office. Luckily, they, they wouldn't have published it, but it would it already gone to the office and they would have rewritten it, Arise Sir Alex, the greatest manager in the history of blah, blah, blah. Um, but he, there was an urban myth for a long, long time that he had got the early ones where they were calling for his head and saying he was a myth and, 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 and all that. And uh, anyway, it turns out to be not true. But I really felt so sorry. I mean, the new camp is uh, camp now is a very, very steep ground. And I'll tell you, if I'd been up in that press box in the fifth tier, I'd have thrown myself off it. <laughs> you, you know that that's the ultimate nightmare. Ultimate nightmare. Well, think well, yourself actually, lucky. Yeah. Think yourself lucky. It was before the days of social media. I mean, you imagine, imagine the backlash you oh, got. I was so lucky. Do you know that is that is a very. You know, I've never thought of that, but you you are so right because I'd have got I'd have got slow. I'd, I I would probably it would probably destroy me completely. Yeah, I would. Paddy, you'll know the. Uh, it, it reminds me of um, the tale about Arthur Monford. Do you know that one? Which one? <laughs> Well, Alfred Monford is from the one that I know. Well, with the uh, jacket. I've heard is that he, that he, no, he's, he's commentating on a game. It could have been a game of, I think it was Russia versus Scotland yeah. because it sounds like that kind of game at Hamden Park. And you know that that old press box that used to dangle oh, below yeah, there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the, he would be in there doing his TV commentary while the... Uh, while the, while the um, the dailies and the Sundays would be sitting round about him as well, and he's commentating on the game. And uh, he uh, Russia scored a goal, and he's sitting next to uh, Ian Archer. Remember oh, Ian Archer? I, I loved Ian Archer. Yeah. yeah, so he's a bit of a lugubrious character, yeah, isn't he? a bit yes. laid back and a bit of droll, English, isn't he? English accent, and then great, very dry, in a very dry sense of humour. 
and um, and then Arthur says, Arthur in his very animated way, it's a goal, it's a, it's a, the Russians have scored, they've scored a goal, it's a fantastic goal for Russia. And he put his hand over the microphone because he couldn't work out which Russian had scored the goal. <laughs> and he's hand over the microphone and he turned around to Ian Atzer, who's lying back next to him, watching yeah. the game. And uh, he says to Ian, uh, did you did you notice who scored that goal there? And Ian Atzer turned around and said to him, Fuck Tefano. And it's a great goal for Russia. It's fuck Tefano. <laughs> One nil to Russia. Fuck Tefano scores. Brilliant. It's a great story. I love it. And, and then apparently Enats is looking at him going, what are you doing? You know? And he's like, and he's looking back, thinking that he's got his thumbs up. Thanks very much for that, you know. Ian, Ian, Ian the most you ever got out of Ian because uh, I always used to think he was drunk, you know, Ian. Except that until you looked at the quality of his writing, he was a magnificent writer. But all you usually got out of Ian was a raised eyebrow, you know, something like that. He was had an English accent, but uh, I don't think he was English. I was a wonderful writer for the Daily Mail, a brilliant writer. Life with Brian, life with Brian, life with Brian. You, Brian, were one of those players, um, because you were so consistent and because you were able to play. See, people forget. They think, you know, look at the goals, games per goal and goals per game and all that, and they think, oh, yeah, striker. But a lot of games, you you must have played an awful lot of games right Side for Man United, central midfield. I was um, very fortunate uh, that I was had this. Uh, what I would say was a very good ability or adjustable um, possibilities to my uh, mm-hmm. my football was that um, I could play badly all <laughs> over the pitch, <laughs> and and. And I did, and that's what I did. And uh, it, what it allowed was it allowed me to play probably a lot more games than than I would have if I had been. I, I suppose you could use um, you could use Andrew Cole as a good as someone good example. who Andrew Cole's yeah. good scorer and a yes, centre forward, and very yes. very good at that. But if you weren't if you weren't doing maybe for that period that length of time. Your uh, your Jacob would be on a sugarly nail with regards to your team selection, if not indeed your career at times. Whereas I, I, I'd never been a striker, Paddy. I I, I was a, a manufactured. I was somebody who played football all my life as a at school and in boys clubs who loved scoring goals from midfield. I, I was an old fashioned inside right. That's what I would say. Was how I developed as my as a as a footballer, someone who who would who would play that kind of that. In the EEC now, the way that the the way that uh, teams are set up now and the way they're playing now is, is for me is going back to apart from the back four. I think a lot of it is uh, that old formation where right half, inside yeah. rights, outside well, left, outside well, right. Well, that's true, but... and then it's like you go and then and then did you you'll you'll be uh, you've done a lot of um, stuff about that in regards to your uh, book about. Yeah, 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 and things like that, yeah. and formations, and and how formations have developed from from the beginning of football, you know. And it's it's kind of strange that people are talking about new. There isn't anything for me. There isn't anything new. Certainly, aren't, there aren't new positions because I mean, people have gone back now to talking about number sixes, number eights, number nine and a halves, 
we all know what they mean. We all know what yeah. they mean because we, yeah. we're, we, we've got a vague idea of what our two, three, five team lined up, which of course it never did line up like that. It always lined up three, two, five. Uh, they were always printed in programs as two, three, five, but there was never any such thing after the Second World War as two, three, five. It's quite strange, but the um, but we know what a, an eight. We know the difference between a six and an eight. But what I would like to say more about you, Brian, is when I look at the Manchester United team now, and you look at certain players, and you look at, for example, Paul Pogba is one. Um, is uh, people say now you've got to find the right position for him. You've got to have him a left <laughs> there, and you've got to hit the ball there. And if you do all of that, you know, as if he's some kind of uh, you know machine that depends on gravity or something, it you, you, he should be able to move around the pitch and spot what needs to be done where. Now, a person in in Brian's day at Manchester United, the option of not finding the right position. And you'll correct me if I'm wrong. Ferguson would not accept that as an excuse. Ferguson, now Sulshar, Brian says that he was a number eight, really, an old-fashioned inside right who liked to score goals and reserved the right to do so whenever he played. Sulshar was a, a striker or a second striker, but for much of his career, he played wide right for Manchester United or on the bench. So the option of saying, oh, I have to I have to just be standing eight and a half yards in and to the right, and then I have to get the ball about four feet off the ground, and then I'm fine. Can you imagine Ferguson putting up with all that shite? I mean, it, a footballer is supposed to go out and play, and it's very unfortunate, but it's great player, better players than Paul Pogba will ever be. Dennis Law. Dennis Law was a box-to-box Brian Robson-style midfield player. He went to Manchester United because Matt Busby wanted him to play as a striker. Everybody now thinks Dennis Law was a striker. Dennis doesn't. Dennis played out of position for 600 games. Although Martin Edwards, you know, the, the old chairman, uh, said that that Dennis did play some games in midfield. Dennis was a midfield player, but he played every game as a striker. And Ferguson maintained that tradition. The option of not playing well because the position wasn't exactly yours would not have been available to to Brian McLaren or anybody else at Man United. Yeah, but he, he had that um, innate ability to look to take players and decide how they've kind of long-term career or I suppose shelf life was going to be at Manchester United and it wasn't necessarily in the position that they'd been playing for for a no. period of time. Paul Parker, who was a who was a who was a had a great career as a football player and um is is um uh was uh, was played uh as a second centre half at QPR. Behind, uh, behind you know, Alan McDonald. So he was the one that went there. But Paul was quick. He had a great jump, very yeah. athletic. So he was the one that kind of did the mopping up job. But, but he, he, he could jump and still as well. He could 
he had a great jump, you know, a great spring for his height. And Paul played centre-back all the way through that period of time. He was at QPR, as far as I know. I think he was at Fulham before that. And uh, when he came to uh, discuss with Alex Ferguson about coming to Manchester United, he would, he would always have when I would. I wasn't because I was just wanted to come to Manchester United. But other players would want to be saying, well, where am I going to play? I'm, I'm going to play mm-hmm. wherever. And I, and and uh, the gaffer would 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 tell them what they want, what he thought they wanted to hear. Yeah, of course you play centre <laughs> half. He never played centre half. I don't. I maybe played one or two games, but he yeah, right, right back. back. And 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 became a very good right back. Well, he played for England. And then England, ended up playing in the, the World, World the World, World Cup, Cup in yeah. uh, World Cup is is already played laid on the yeah. goal for Lineker. Um, so so he ended up. Being a right back, and he had that kind of thing. When when Roy Keane first came to United, he, he played loads of games mm. at right back. Did he? I never remember. Loads of games because at right Roy back. Keane, yeah. When he was at Forest, he liked to be an attacking midfield player. And but, but, but Ferguson, Ferguson had ideas about where he wanted him to play. And I mean, another example I always think of was Rio Ferdinand when he was at. Uh, 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 West Ham United and then Leeds United. Um, I think a lot of us thought, could he be the sort of English Beckenbauer? Uh, the Scottish people used to think the same about uh, Alan Hansen and 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 Ferguson had a very clear. Uh, Ferguson didn't share that sort of romantic notion. He said, "Rio Ferdinand's quick. He can defend." So he doesn't cross the halfway line. And he never did. How long was he at Man United? Never crossed the halfway line, did he? And, and there, was a, there was a game where um, uh, Rio played for West Ham at mm. Old Trafford. And West Ham lost either six or seven goals. Oh, really? And Rio was at fault for five of them. <laughs> he, he was at fault for five of them. And you look, you look and you're thinking, why would anybody be? This is... And Rio started off as a winger, so you can see that the, the football abilities had to be his feet. He, he was a, he was, I think he, he was a, an eleven or a seven. Yeah, that's where he, that's where he played his his, his career and, and before he, he went to to West Ham. Yeah. So he'd learned how to play as a football player. So he, he had those things, and then he grew into the stature he did and developed into that type of player he was. Yeah, but I think that was one of the great the great abilities of. Of Alex Ferguson was being able to, and then and then change it kind of yep. changes the way it went along. You know, like you say, I I was playing on the right, I was playing in the middle. I I um I went. To, there was one game where I'm not playing. I know I'm not playing because the games had been announced. We're going to Goodison, Mark, and um, we're in the hotel, and we, we when I was we always for for Liverpool games at Anfield we stayed overnight in Liverpool. For Everton, we never stayed overnight. Even when they were champions, we never stayed overnight. That was gives you a measure of what Alex yeah. Ferguson's idea yeah. about playing against Liverpool was. Yeah. So we go to travel to the hotel on Saturday morning to have pre-match meal. We get to the hotel, have pre-match meal, and he announces the team. And I know I'm not playing because no, I'm not playing. And uh, he announces the team, and I'm always could listen. But not always pay that great amount of attention. But listen, because he wasn't playing. But and he, and then I'm thinking, and he goes and he names the team, and he gets the last player on the team, and he goes, 
uh, McClare. And I'm like, what? Where am I playing? What? Left, left side of midfield, left. I'm playing like, what are you on about? I'm just, and, he's, and he continues on his team top the last few, always lasted for half an hour. And I, I was playing left side of midfield. Never played there really before. Played a few times. Not really played there before. And he'd fallen out with Andrew Kinchelskis. And he, 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 he decided he's not playing. He's not, not having them, whatever the, whatever the reason was. And I'm playing left back. Now, left side of midfield. Now, he wasn't expecting me to be Andrew Kinchelskis. All he was expecting me was to do a job on the left side of the midfield to the, whatever the abilities I had. And the other one that, that swings to mind about that, we're in the, where you went to before your uh, first European game. You're in Turin, Paddy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we're playing, against, and we're playing Juventus when Juventus are in their pomp. And we're doing quite well. It's nil-nil at half time in the Champions League. And I'm again, I'm on the bench. And I'm, I'm coming at half time, and he comes in, and then he's ranting, raving, and and Ryan Giggs is the one who's getting the um, who's getting the roasting. And again, I'm, I'm hacking a half listening because I'm thinking I'm not going to be involved in this game. But we're still nil nil, doing quite well. Okay, he's he's, he's giving Giggs a, a tough time, and and I don't I can't remember exactly what happened where Giggs maybe had decided to give his own voice, his own opinion, and uh, the next minute it was right, uh, McLear get fucking stripped. Get his kit and I'm like that. <laughs> uh, still kind of looking a different way, and I'm thinking, I look over and I'm like, uh, Can you say my name there? And, and he went, Yeah, get fucking ready. And I'm like, eh, eh, Right, well, yeah, okay. And so I'll go out in the second half, and I'm playing left side midfield. So I'm playing the left hand side of midfield against uh, Conte. Yeah. <laughs> and and Pesotto, who's playing right back. Yeah. Right? Now, Pesotto was quick. I'm like, well, I don't know. What am I expected to do here? And I thought, well, fair enough, whatever. So all I did for this, for 45 minutes is when the ball came to me, I tried to control the ball and pass it to a red shirt and move somewhere else on the pitch. <laughs> and and we, lost the, we lost the goal. And Zaggy, and Zaggy who, who scored in the last minute, He's going the last minute, you know. He's like the manager's comment about him. I think he he said he was born offside, <laughs> but I think he. So you know, I'm probably half of his goals would be chopped off of With VAR because yeah, that's, how, yeah. that's how much he played on. He played on that line. Yeah, uh, and and we we lost the game one nil, and I'm like mystified because I I'm not like, no idea about. It. And the next day we stayed over and we did, I didn't. Uh, no, the next day when we came back to the training. He decided to have a team talk that I wasn't involved in. I was away training with the reserves. And apparently he's just sent to them, making a point about me, saying about me. So what did look what did he do? What did he do? He did he did the simple thing. The simple thing. He got the ball and he passed it to a fucking red shirt and then he moved to another position. That's all you need to do. <laughs> And that's what he, but that's what he, he, he trusted you yeah. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Trusted you. And one of the most frightening things for me is the, is the, the afternoon, the lunchtime of the um, Cup Winners Cup final against Barcelona. Mm. He's having his team talk and he comes into the team talk and he points his finger straight at me and goes, if you do your fucking job tonight, we win this game. <laughs> and you did. I thought, uh, 
Thanks very much for that. Hey, man. Oh, bless you, like me. You, yeah. you man, Mark, you man, Mark Koeman in that game, didn't you? That was my job. Yeah, when they had the ball. Yeah. Where were, uh, Koeman was job, was yeah. Koeman playing in front of the back? He was playing. Yeah, he was playing as part of the back. Part four. of the back four, and you had to sit on him. When when he had when they when we were out of possession, I had to stop him passing the ball, spraying passes all over the place. That was my that job. That was man. year, what year was that? 92? 91. Yeah. Because uh, two years after that, that was what they, that was what Milan did, wasn't it? Following, the, well, the following year, the, um, no, the following year, the Barcelona got to the, um, Won the European Cup at, at, at Wembley. At Wembley. At Wembley. Yeah. Yeah. And that was so. Uh, was Guardiola in that team? No. He must have come in later. He wasn't then. He must have come in later. Well, I, well, he wasn't playing that game. He played. Maybe, it, he he played it, no, I remember him at the in the Wembley game. But oh yeah, but that must have been Matt, Matt, Matt Busby was at that game, wasn't he? The one in Rotterdam. Aye. Aye. Well, it was uh, Ferguson told the story about how you know Matt was on on in the sitting on the front seat in, in the you know the behind the driver or opposite the driver, and and how the fans as usual were banging on the door of the thing, saying, "Come on, lads, you know, do this, do that," and, and as the um, Fergie told Matt to get off the asked him to get off the uh, bus first. And as soon as the fans saw Matt, they just went silent. You know, as if they, and Ferguson said in one of his books, uh, it was, you couldn't have got more reverence for the Pope in St. Peter's Square. Probably <laughs> image. Yeah. yeah. Uh, St. Peter's Square in Rome, by the way, not the one in Manchester. <laughs> where the library is. <laughs> Well, we had such fun during recording that we just kept on going and going. So much so that we ended up with enough material for two episodes. So why don't you come back for the second part of this very soon to enjoy Brian and Paddy talking about Gary Neville, Quizball and bollockings from Sir Alex Ferguson. We'll also open McClare's mailbag for your questions. It will be available everywhere you get your podcasts. Cheers! Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? 
purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.